0: Reading this morning is from Hebrews thirteen, fifteen to nineteen. Through Jesus therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. The ending of his word.
1: So we have been uh, involved in a sermon series this summer called Off-Road Disciplines. And looking at various spiritual disciplines that we're invited to practice through scripture. And uh, this morning we get to look at one that's really nobody's favorite. uh, But this invitation to a life of submission. Submission. And this morning, we're going to talk about that invitation to submission uh, being about related to our relationship with God first through Christ and then submitting to one another in fellowship and then submitting to our leaders and why God has designed the church that way uh, and how we benefit from that. So we're going to be looking at Hebrews 13 verses 15 to 19 this morning. You can follow on the screen uh, in your own Bibles or the insert in the bulletin. Uh, has the scripture uh, printed out for you. Hebrews thirteen fifteen to 19 says this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men and women who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. This is the word of the Lord to us. As I started with, uh, this is you know, um, not something we want to do, or we necessarily even believe that is best for us, but which we ultimately most need, and that is to offer our submission and service to God through Christ, and to enter into relationships where we mutually submit to one another, and we actually have God-provided and God-called leaders over us who give us guidance and direction. But this has become increasingly antithetical to society. And I think COVID has only expanded it. Images like the the folks that rushed into the Capitol building or just other images over the last 16 months have have scarred us and have impacted our, our understanding of how people respond to authority, governmental authority, and even church authority as different churches have struggled through this season. The invitation here is to acknowledge that we ourselves are not good at being our own Lord. In other words, we're not good at being in charge of our own lives. We ultimately need God to do that for us, to give us the guidance and direction we need. And again, this is becoming increasingly countercultural. Our present mood in Western society seems to be suspect of all authority or or power and it tends to give people excuse to just kind of do their own thing rather than submit to the authorities that we have been given. But God in his wisdom and providence, designed the church to exist under Christ's authority, but then through leaders who have been called to serve so that we are able to follow God's will and way. Ultimately in this, Christ is our good and chief shepherd. He's he's the one and only ultimate authority in our lives who we are submit to, to submit to. He is a good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. He is worthy of our submission, our service, our sacrifice, our worship. But notice in scripture that God also calls broken and flawed human beings like your pastor to serve in places of shepherding leadership. Remember Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' closest followers. But when the going got the toughest and Jesus is on trial, we recall that Peter actually denied Jesus three times. I mean, he's asked, surely you were with him. Surely you know him. And Peter said, I don't even know the man. He didn't even just say like, well, I'm not one of his followers. He's like, I don't know him. He he tried to disassociate himself from Jesus entirely. But then, after witnessing Jesus' resurrection... Peter experienced this amazing recall moment. In John 21, he's back to fishing. And often when when we're most confused about things, we go back to what we know. And in this case, Peter went back to fishing with his friends. And they're fishing. And Jesus calls out to him from the shore and says, hey, let down your net for a catch on this side. And say, we've been fishing all night. Who are you to tell us how to fish? But they do, and they get a great catch of fish. And Peter, knowing that Jesus has done this before, now recognizes who this is, that this is this is Jesus in resurrected form, and jumps out of the ship or boat, Forrest Gump style, and swims to the shore and acknowledges Jesus. And in one of the most tender moments in scripture, while the fish are cooking, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Lord, I, I love you. And it's, and it's the kind of just general love, affection, Peter's response and Jesus' question. And, and Jesus says, feed my sheep. I'm, I'm recalling you as a shepherd to care for my people. And again, Jesus said, but do you, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yeah, I know you, I know, you know I love you. And, and this time Jesus asks in brotherly love, phileo, it's like, do you love me a little more than just general affection? Do you got some more love in there for me? And Peter says, yeah, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, care for my sheep, watch out for people. And then he says, Peter, do you love me? And he uses the word agape, unconditional love and favor, the sacrificial love of Christ. Peter, do you love me like that? And Peter says, you know all things. Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus again says, feed my sheep. Jesus called a broken and flawed human being who had just denied him, fallen short of him, to be a shepherd over his people. And guess what? God still does that today, calling people who fall short of God and, and full obedience to serve him in places of leadership. And guess what? It is for our good. Why? Why? Because submission is actually the ultimate freedom. What? What do you mean submitting to God and others is about freedom? When you submit to God, guess what? You're saying, I don't have the strength or ability to be my own Lord. I'm not good at being my own CEO. I need somebody else to do that for me. And guess what? God, I think you're the best choice. And so we submit to God. And we have freedom in that. And we submit to to church leaders who we've voted on and approved and we believe are called by God to serve here because then we've got other people that are helping, you know, guiding and directing the church so we don't have to individually. And here church is part of why I'm a Presbyterian pastor because in our church structure and stream of Christianity, we have checks and balances. We don't put too much power in the hands of a single individual. And that's important because if you believe, and we know this is true, all leaders fall short of the glory of God. We believe that sin impacts every aspect of who we are personally, corporately, relationally. If that's true, we better have checks and balances in place. On our leadership team, our, our session, I am one of 12. I have one vote just like the rest. Too many churches and streams and denominations have put too much power in the hands of single individuals and those hierarchical churches, you know, if you've got one person making all the decisions and it's true that they're fallen and have struggle with sin, just like every one of us, that can be a course of trouble. In our ministry, in our church, we design it where there's checks and balances, where there's pastors, but also ruling elders and deacons who serve and care. And we have invited God to call those people to then give leadership and guidance for the whole of the church. And guess what? We get to experience the freedom of not just being one person, guiding and directing everything and making all the decisions. And there's freedom in that. There's simplicity in that. And as a core discipline, uh, off-road discipline, and why I want to say it's an off-road discipline is this, we have opportunities every day to submit to one another, submitting to God, one another, and leaders. For instance, on Friday night, I wanted to drive over to Sonoma County to start Josh's state championship baseball tournament, you know, on Friday. I'm like, hey, let's go on Friday. And Beth's like, no, I don't want to go down tomorrow. And when everything ends me, it's like, no, I want to drive over Friday night. I want to just get there and sit on. She's like, yeah I'd rather go in the morning. And prayerfully, Mike, give this one up. Let your wife make the call. Okay, let's go tomorrow. In marriage, submission, mutual submission, it happens all the time. In workplaces, in neighborhoods, in all our relationships, we have these opportunities to submit ourselves to God, one another, and the leaders God has placed over us. And God shows us how to do that in His Word. And the first and fundamental act of submission is submission to God. It all starts there. Our submission to God is our, is our central act of, of worship and devotion. He is the one alone who's really ultimately worthy of our submission. And notice the way it's described here in Hebrews. It's submission to God through Jesus. In other words, Jesus has shown us fully and completely what God is like, who God is like. He has modeled sacrificial love and service. And as a result, we can trust God the Father because of the likeness of the Son. And we could say, okay, if God is like Jesus and he loves me enough to sacrifice himself and submit himself. And we're going to talk about this. Unto death, then that God is worthy of my submission and worship. Philippians talks about Jesus uh, did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped, held on to, but submitted himself and became human, took on flesh, and he ultimately died on the cross as a f- the fundamental, most full, and complete act of submission and service of all time. Can't be replicated. You can't submit yourself that much, as much as Christ did ultimately. He took on flesh. He became one of us. So, and then ultimately died on the cross to us. He submitted himself and became obedient to death. So not only does that mean God is worthy of our submission and our worship, but Jesus shows us what that should look like. Our submission to God is sacrificial. It's giving up our our own plans and designs and trusting that God has something better for us. He's a better CEO. He's a better pilot. He's a better captain. He's a better teacher than we are. And Jesus shows us that and makes, shows us that God is worthy of our trust. And now, and now we no longer need, you know, um, to try to submit ourselves to earn God's will and favor. In the Old Testament, you might recall there was this elaborate sacrificial system. They would sacrifice animals in order to try to earn God's forgiveness and favor and, 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 and trust back. Well, Jesus is, becomes the once and for all sacrifice as talked about in Hebrews. He is, so we no longer need to sacrifice animals or sacrifice ourselves in order to earn forgiveness. Jesus has already done that. So our living as a a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, is our big thank you to God for what Christ has already done. Our submission isn't to earn his favor. It's to say thank you, Jesus, for submitting yourself unto death for me. And then we submit ourselves in return. And it is a sacrifice. I mean, you took time out of your busy lives and schedules to come and worship God today. It was an act of sacrifice. When we sacrifice time and energy for anyone, but in this case, particularly God, we're saying thank you and we're making a a sacrifice to him. But increasingly, as we understand all that God has done for us in Christ and how he sacrificed himself unto death, our response of sacrifice becomes this glad thanksgiving. We want to do it. Not that we have to do it. I had a late night last night. Uh, Josh is on this little league all star team. They're playing in a state tournament in Healdsburg, and the game went to like ten fifteen last night. And I wasn't going to miss it, but that meant a really late night drive home. And when I woke up this morning at six thirty, it's like, oh man, you know, I'm on maybe four hours of sleep. I'm exhausted, missing my family. Who's stayed over, you know, for the next game and everything. But there was this moment of turn this morning where that sense of, like, have to, getting out of bed, going to worship, preaching, whatever, became a, I get to. I get to preach God's word today. I get to worship God with my church family and friends. I get to do the the greatest thing today. And when we make that transition, it becomes a sacrifice of thankful praise not just a sacrifice of praise like oh i have to do this i got to sacrifice my time my voice even though it's not great when we're singing Um, it becomes a sacrifice of thankful praise where we offer thanksgiving to god and i love the way you were doing that today and my favorite worship moments with you are actually when bo does such a good job of leading us into the presence of god but then he backs off and i hear your voices singing how he loves I hear your voices, which are much better than mine, so I can find my voice when it's drowned out by yours. And I hear it in Christ alone. And and man, as it gets to, you know, no guilt in life, fear and death, this is a power of Christ in me. I'm just like, yeah, touchdown. But that's the sacrifice of praise where it becomes this joyful act of offering ourselves because we know God in Christ has already offered himself to the uttermost for us. So then we can gladly return that offering and sacrifice. And not only just singing on Sunday mornings, this is meant to catapult us in the way we live our lives. In Romans 12, one talks about this being a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God. And and the writer of Hebrews not only says, offer a sacrifice of thankful praise, you know, sing to him and be joyful uh, to him. But he says, and the fruit of lips that confess his name. In other words, our singing and our proclamation that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I'm not, and we're not, uh, is a, a fundamental confession of faith with our lips. We're confessing his name. And that prepares us to go out and do that wherever we are, to acknowledge Jesus is our leader, guide, CEO, captain, pilot. The one who guides us. When we have the fruit of lips that confess his name. What then happens is because we're submitting ourselves to God. We start to reflect. Our hearts become more and more uh, the receptacle of the Holy Spirit. And we more and more reflect the fruit of the spirit. The lips. Then, then they're, they're loving words. Joyful uh, we experience a love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that the Holy Spirit wants to fill us with. And that becomes more and more of a, an expression of our lips and what we say and what we do. We become more patient. We become more kind to people. And uh, right now, boy, uh, we don't see a lot of patience, kindness, joy in our society and, and, our, and, and our society so needs it because they need to see Jesus. And that can become reflected in outward acts, our lips and our actions. They become a reflection of the inward reality of where our heart is. Uh, a couple of games ago, and Josh has been playing in these different tournaments. Um, he borrowed a practice from his friend Jacob, and he said, "Dad, I just I really want to commit myself to playing for Jesus wherever I am. So, so would you put a eye black, you know, the black underneath the eyes? We put a cross on each of my cheeks." And so, uh, you know, the last several games, there's sort of this priestly act for me uh, where there's uh, Joshua 1, 5. And I say, Josh, be strong and courageous. The Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And uh, I pray for him and I bless him as he then goes out and plays his game. And he's had more of a connection of playing for the honor of God. And he's had these evangelistic opportunities with his teammates. And now we're like, why are you wearing that? What's that about? He said, well, I'm, I follow Jesus, and, and I got, got something bigger than whether we win this tournament or not going for me. And that becomes the fruit of the lips that confess his name. And that outward testimony expression becomes something where we're not only offering our vertical worship to God and singing praise to him, but horizontally, our relationships become impacted as we speak words of life and words of truth. A couple of scriptures that relate to this. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So our submission to God becomes an act of resistance against Satan. We're fleeing from Satan and reflecting the Lord in our interactions, in our words, in our deeds. And Ephesians 5, 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And again, this is not popular in our day, in society. Submission uh, to authorities or leaders, which we'll talk about in a moment, is not popular. Uh, But even more, you know, submitting to one another. And and those little acts of life and and moments and experiences. But the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, not only submit to God, but submit to one another. He says it this way. He says, do not forget to do good. Share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. In Micah 6, 8, it said it this way. Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. In other words, our submission to God leads us to submit to others in doing good for them and and not becoming weary in doing good. And I think a lot of us were just tired right now. And so we become more impatient. I know that's my biggest struggle right now. My guys group on Tuesday was together and, you know, where do we need God to work in our life? And and we just mutually, I think the five of us that morning just said, you know, I, I'm impatient right now. I'm impatient with my wife, I'm impatient with my kids, I'm impatient with coworkers, you know. And we realized that, 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 that there's a growing impatience and, and we wanted to pray that, that God would lead us into, you know, not being weary in doing good, but continuing to love and to continuing to care. In 1 John four eleven it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So if Christ submitted himself as the greatest act of love ever, then we can submit ourselves to one another as an act of praise to God. And that becomes reflected in our sacrifice through compassionate service. We sacrifice our time and energy for one another. We serve one another in Christ-like ways. It also becomes reflected in the sacrifice of generous giving. Submitting to one another uh, touches on uh, giving of our tithes and our offerings to serve God's kingdom and to support the ministry and mission of the church. Because I could tell you for sure that for most of us, submitting our finances to God is is kind of our last idol that we're holding on to. We may have given up other areas, but giving 10% of our income, giving of our tithes and offerings... We don't necessarily want to trust God with that or submit to Him at that level. But the invitation of submission to our giving and giving what God asks us to give to support the ministry of the church is, again, an act of submission that leads to freedom. Because then I'm recognizing and reminding myself it's not mine anyway, it never was, it's His. He's entrusted it to my care for this time being. But in that trusting it to me and it, 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 to my care, he wants me to give back joyfully and fully. And when you give 10% of your income back to God in the service of the church and support of it, you are proclaiming radically that Jesus is Lord of your finances. And you're not. And that's a very good thing. I am not great with money. I need I need Jesus to be the Lord of that area of my life. I need him to be my financial planner and CEO. And in his financial planning, he says, Mike, give 10%, 10% the first 10% back to me in the church, and the rest, it, it'll go well with you, he says. And I think Tim's going to talk about that in our offering time. But what this does is it realigns our priorities in submission, and we ultimately find freedom. We find freedom from our financial, you know, stress and strain in the sense of giving back to God and entrusting him for everything. Finally, the passage invites us to submit to leaders. Obey your leaders. It says, submit to their authority for they must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy this uh, submission to leaders in all you know stratospheres of society really is under attack right now and part of it is we've experienced a lot of you know uh, corrupt politicians and and, and, and all and, 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 and there are some, some uh, you know police officers whatever that don't you know do serve for the good but then there's a vast majority that do and, and, and are, are serving and I'm so thankful for our law enforcement locally uh, they do such a wonderful job and God has placed those authorities over us for our good, not only for our safety in certain cases, but for our spiritual leadership and guidance. And God designed the church to be led by a a plurality, multitude of elders who give input and insight and give guidance and direction to the church. And our submission to those leaders is ultimately a reflection of our submission to God. Are you going to agree with the decision, every decision that our session, our church board makes? No. Are we always going to get it right? No. But has God called them to lead and serve? He has. And in my own call to ministry, there are those days of, Lord, this is hard. Being a pastor is not easy. And yet God's called me to that place. And we have this mutual relationship now, church. And Pastor Greg's in on this and our elders where we seek to serve and care and teach. But you also respond with submission and, and, and trust in the authorities. And if there's something that doesn't smell right, come and talk to me. And we'll talk about it. And we'll figure it out. But that invitation to submission is something that's God-given and it's ultimately for your freedom. So you don't have to have control over everything, which is exhausting. And when we give up control and we trust other people to give us leadership and guidance, it's ultimately fundamentally an act of trust in God and his guidance. And lastly, along these lines of of authority, leadership, and trust, I want to say the most important thing. Is prayer. And, and Hebrews talks about here. Pray for your leaders. And, and, and the pastor from the, writes this letter to the Hebrews. Is wise enough to say pray for me. And, and he says pray for me continually. That I might have a clear conscience. And I might live honorably. And I may be restored to you soon. And some people think the restoration is that he's been away. But there's some possibility that that pastor had experienced a moral failure. And the restoration was, you know, morally, you know, restor- being restored and getting right with God so that it could come back and provide leadership again. We don't know for sure, but we knew though that pastors are fallible human beings who fall short of the glory of God and are desperately in need of grace and also in need of your prayers, and for me, having a pastor's prayer team, this group of guys that pray for me uh, every day, but monthly they get together, they pray for me intensively. Uh, really, there's rarely a time where I'm not crying or I'm not on my knees during this time. Uh, that's the only way I've been able to continue to serve is having those armor bearers, you know, with me and for me in prayer. And, and, and I want to encourage you to, to just make sure you're praying for your pastor's. Pray for Greg while he's away this week that his family time is of quality and that he's restored and encouraged. He needed rest. Pray for me and Beth this week as we're uh, away and that we get rest and renewal. Pray for wisdom and guidance for us in decision-making along with the elders of the church. Pray for our preaching that it's anointed by God and that you hear God's word for you. Pray for us as we care for other people. Pray for our elders that they have wisdom and guidance. And, and the decisions in our church and pray for our deacons because man they care for you and they do an amazing job but it's not easy and we need your prayers submission does not have to be scary we often think of it as scary like I'm giving up my rights and man we don't as, as, as human beings as, as Americans we give up our rights are you kidding me But fundamentally in the Christian faith, there's a giving up of our rights to God, allowing him to guide us and direct us. It leads us into mutual relationships with one another where we submit to one another because we don't have all the answers and life is becoming increasingly complicated and we need help and support and also to submit to leaders in the church and in other areas who God is called to serve in those ways and pray, pray for them. Pray for me on a regular basis because we need it. We all need it. As we uh, wrap up this message, I'm going to invite uh, Tim's going to come up and pray for us here in a moment. But I, I'd like to kind of open our time in prayer and just uh, pray in response to the message first. So if you bow your heads with me. Lord God, uh, this is a challenging message. Uh, Challenging to preach, I'm sure challenging to hear, but you give us this great invitation to submit our lives to you, our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so we pray today that you would have your way in us. We submit to you. Offering our lives to you as a living sacrifice that we pray would be holy and pleasing to you. And we submit ourselves to one another. Lord, we need one another and the encouragement, support we receive in relationship with one another. And we need to be led, God. So we submit ourselves ultimately to your leadership, uh, but also to the pastoral leadership uh, of the church and, and the leadership of our elders and the caring nature of our deacons. We pray that you would strengthen and uphold our leaders, that they could serve you well. And we pray that that would be a joy, not only for me and for Greg, but for our elders and deacons, that increasingly uh, the ministry of the church and the work of the church uh, would be a joy. And I pray that uh, I would count it as a privilege and an honor, and that I would serve joyfully, but that each one of us would experience your joy in relationship with you and with one another on a regular and daily basis. We pray this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.